Welcome to another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight. Tragedy struck her life as a young child, but singer June Garber not only recovered, she has thrived as a popular jazz singer, adored by a legion of bands all over the world. Originally from South Africa, June came to Canada and now resides in Australia. June's band performed in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, and Toronto. She tells host Ken Boyd that jazz was not her only love. Now, here's Ken. With a performance career spanning more than four decades, June Garber is an acclaimed and much-loved Canadian jazz vocalist. I gotta tell you, June, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for being in our jazz spotlight today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's wonderful to be with you, Ken. Uh, let's start at the beginning. You were born in South Africa, and at the age of three, there was a tragedy in your family, right? What happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't know much about it at the time, but now I do. So um, my father was a designer, and he was flying to America. And I think on the way back, the plane crashed in Frankfurt, Germany, oh. and he was killed, yeah. Tragedy, uh, tragedy. Um, you didn't know him well, I guess, but you have memories, I guess, through family and mom and everybody else, right? I, I, you know, I do remember a little bit, but I was only three, so I, I don't, I think I remember his going away party because it was such a big deal to have, you know, sort of, overseas air travel right. and I think there was like a tent up with stripes and lights colored bulbs those big old bulbs that were all different colors right. I seem to remember that yeah and was I he, you know and it was he a jazz drummer did you say he was a jazz drummer you know I found out um it was so sad because my mother remarried very soon after he passed away and we weren't allowed to talk about my father mm. we weren't allowed to mention his name and no one ever talked about him so i didn't know that much but when i got a, a sort of a, a website much later on i discovered that he had been a jazz drummer and i think he was very good and I know that if he was in my life, I, you know, everything would have happened so much faster than it did. Yeah. Well, you filled your life with a lot of wonderful things, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so your first career, you became a teacher, is that right? And what did you teach? Yeah. So I was teaching what would be called junior high um, in North America. Um because I wasn't allowed to be on stage because the my parents thought it wasn't the done thing. You had to have a career. Right. So they wouldn't allow me to to pursue any of of my dreams as far as acting or singing. So I became a school teacher and and I taught in South Africa until we left to go to Canada. When did you find the stage? Um, I think I was four years old. I was dancing on stage at that time. <laughs> Very confident 
very confident in my own um, sort of stage presence and just loved it. Born performer. Always, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, then you came to Canada in 1975, and I believe you answered an ad in Toronto. Tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. You've done your research. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, they used to have a column in the Toronto Star. I think it was like the 965 or maybe, I, I don't know, but there was like jazz singers, singers, musicians, and they used to advertise. And I saw this uh, little ad and I went, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. And I, I answered it and I got the job. Cool. What was the job? A backup singer? It was it was a big band. It was like six musicians and three singers. Wow. And yeah. And so I got the job. And then the girl who was the leader decided she didn't want to do this anymore. And she left and I took over the group. And we just it was fantastic. Wow. And yeah. then the group was the group was Angel Fever. What a great title for a group. Yeah. Especially that time of the year, just free disco. Yeah. Right. It was some disco at that time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you uh you played with the band, you had you were quite successful. You played places like Vegas, correct? Yes, yes. So we were booked into the Flamingo Hilton, which we called the Flaming O. And uh, then we got booked into what was then the Las Vegas Hilton and the Reno Hilton. So th there was a bit of a drive or flight from Vegas to Reno. So what, what a high yes, though, right? What a highlight for you. It was great. I mean, it was lonely for me because, you know, um, you didn't sort of, because I ran the band, it was my band, I could have not hang out with them all the time. So, but it was, um, I met some wonderful people and it was an interesting lifestyle, uh, you know, that of a gypsy, really. Right, right. And did you manage the band in terms of hiring gigs and stuff like that? Were you doing that too as well? Or did you have management taking care of that end of it, getting gigs for y'all? Yes, always management. I could never have done that. So um, I had management, and but I was responsible for the band and the sound and the lights until we got to Vegas and Atlantic City because then it was all there. We di I didn't have to worry about that anymore. How exciting. Yeah. And then uh, in 1985, you left the band. Why? Um, I wanted to not be on the road that much and also wanted not to have to be responsible for everyone. So I thought my art took a turn and then I went back to doing theater. Right. And that was amazing. I want to talk about that. I really do, Jim, yeah. because I had it written that I said, uh, then it was pal Joey guys and dolls and sweet charity. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you roll into that from your, background in the band and stuff like that. How did that happen for you? I went to some acting classes at the Tarragon Theatre, which was a very, very um, sort of uh, recognized theatre in Toronto, mm -hmm. and they would do really beautiful productions. And um, 
So I, I joined up and did a six-week workshop there. And the um, one of the directors at the theatre came in and out of classes and he offered me a job. And so I did a play for him. And, and it was quite successful. So then um, I got my equity card, right. which is a huge deal. It is a huge deal. For, for an actor, yeah. The and what so was the then, play? Do you remember? Yes, it was called Fri Firing Francine. It was written by Don Hanna and Andy, and, and, well, Andy McKim was the director, and he then became the director of Theatre Pasmarai. Mm. And he was there for quite a long time. So that launched your, your acting stage career. Yeah, yeah, as far as getting equity productions. Right. So then I went on this whole thing of meeting people at different auditions and then traveling around Canada with them, which was beautiful because you you sort of all on an equal footing I wasn't running the band, so I, I could befriend whoever I wanted. And it was, I didn't have to worry about anything. No travel arrangements, nothing. It was all taken care of. And how different was it for you coming from live band gigs to, to musical theater gigs? Um, yeah, it certainly was totally different because how can I put this? Um, you are open to a whole world. Of music it's not merely stuff that was required in clubs or whatever it was a whole new world and also acting as well as singing and then I did some plays that were not musicals oh. just you know uh, plays that were legit they'd call it you know right. so yeah so that was that was interesting and then from that, I did a bit of TV and a, a couple of films, mm -hmm. you know. Good for you. So how did you fill your time after your life on the stage during your 10-year sabbatical? Um, so I was married um, and my husband, well, my late husband, because he passed away. Mm. And my late husband was um, a sales representative for one of the companies that did scholastic products like school rings, graduation oh. photos, graduation gowns, yearbook. Uh -huh. And so he was just in the ring division. Right. So he wanted me to sort of come off the road a bit and just concentrate on working with him. So that's what I did for about 20 years. Wow. And you had some other mm -hmm. hobbies and interests during that time? Yes. I um, got a beautiful property that was quite large and did a lot of gardening. Oh, beautiful. And um, did some artwork and just try to keep busy in that way, but always in the creative field. Yeah. Well, you're creative. You have to. We have to find a portal to do that, right? Yeah. You do, you do, because yeah. yeah. otherwise you just sort of shrivel up a little bit, I think. Absolutely. Hey, mm -hmm. let's take a minute now and listen to one of your tunes. Sounds good. <laughs>
But then I noticed After all he said He never mentioned love He had me laughing On a ferris wheel A childish moment That set my heart real And then he kissed me And he talked a lot But never mentioned God sent What could I do I fell Well He left me broken Every dream I had Was left unspoken Just as he had come He gave no warning And was gone again And never mentioned with our uh, special guest today, June Garber. Um, you cut your first jazz album back in 2005. The album was called Smile. What brought you to jazz at that point? Yeah. Um, wow. You know, when I came back um, to singing, I was older. I, you know, the sort of genre of music had changed for me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found out that my father was a jazz drummer. Amazing. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it was strange. I had no idea about any of that. And I was so drawn to jazz 
even though I wasn't doing that genre of music before, prior to, it was always something I wanted to go back to. And um, so there it were... It my mind when I read that. I got to tell you, I was just like, wow, like, is that in genetic? Is that in the genes or what? You know, like, it really made me pause and go, wow. It brought you right back full circle to what your dad did, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And um, how wonderful of you to recognize that. Um, how, because I found it very strange that of all the genres, I would go to jazz mm-hmm. as my love. And um, yes, yeah, so I started studying a lot of the singers that were around here, Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan, just on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, th- just discovered some amazing singers. And I went, yeah, yeah, I like this. I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to pursue this. So, and um, it was a funny thing today. I just got a message from a beautiful woman who is actually in Texas and she was listening to Easy Jazz. And she sent me a message. Uh, from Texas here in Australia, so she was listening to it. And I think she, in a way, was responsible. Um, her name is Esther. And um, she was running a hospice at the time called Evergreen Hospice in Markham, where I lived. And I was a volunteer. And I volunteered for about 10 years. And her husband was um, a jazz bassist. And she said, why don't you come and meet him and maybe you can sing with them, the the people that had formed this jazz band. And so she was actually responsible for me getting a start. Springboard into that scene of your life. And I think maybe with your history and everything like that, you came to this point in life where you had lived this wonderful life and it was just all part of it for the success in the jazz, the genre, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm very grateful to her for that. And then from then I started going out to like the Montreal Jazz Club in Toronto and a lot of the other uh, jazz clubs and started to meet singers and musicians and started to develop a community. Right. Which was, it's, I've never known anything like the jazz community in Toronto. It is amazing. Mm. And you had a full time gig during that time, didn't you, too? Uh, Yes. Well, I was still working for my husband, my late husband's company. And then I started just gigging, just doing jazz. Good for you. Love your stuff. Love your stuff. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Share with us how it felt with you for to work with Lorraine Klassen and, and celebrating your South African heritage. That was amazing. And that was brought about by a musician, Dominic Mancuso, who loved the African music. And he introduced us. And, you know, we had this, I understood where she was from and she understood where I was from. So I had I did the show with her called uh, Sisters in Blood, it's Sisters in Song, In My Blood. Yeah. Right, right, right. I watched in it. My blood. And, and so even though I was from sort of a different 
um, I don't know, like, how can I put this? Like, I knew a different lifestyle and I understood what she had been through. And we had both emigrated at the same time. Oh. I think in 1975, we both left South Africa. Oh, okay. And and then so, and, and I learned so much from her mm -hmm. about South African music and South African jazz. And her mom, Tandy Klaassen, was Nelson Mandela's favorite jazz singer. Wow. So, she comes from, like, you know, yeah. major Very talent. Very successful for you. Mm. I also know you've also been a mentor for others and helped a lot of youth along the way, haven't you? Whenever I can, I do. Yes, it's so important to me. And I love to see all the, the new generation coming up of uh, kids who love jazz. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really beautiful. And they do a lot of it here in Australia. Um, a lot of helping kids and giving them um, a stage to to sing and and you know at the Brisbane Jazz Club right. especially they they have the it's called the Voices of Tomorrow. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, what's next for June Garber? Oh, um, it's been rather peculiar because. I came from such a close jazz community in Toronto and then we arrived in Queensland and it was like, ah, oh, where is everybody? <laughs> and my husband Brian and I uh, went to Brisbane one night to see to the jazz club and I met this amazing woman, Ingrid James, who is one of the finest singers here. And... Um, she asked me if I wanted to perform at the jazz club. And I said, sure, absolutely. So we went back the next month and I did that uh, to celebrate the 21st anniversary, I think, of uh, jazz vocals in Brisbane. And then um, she offered me um, part to be part of the jazz festival in Brisbane, which is on August 6th. So it's coming up pretty quickly. Right. And um, it's called Kings and Queens of Jazz. So there are three women and three men. And I'm, I'm singing the songs of Shirley Horn because I just love that woman. I just, she, her style resonates so deeply with me. And um, so, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then there's another jazz festival in a kind of beautiful area called Noosa, also in this in our area in Queensland. And um, so I'll be doing. I met I met some musicians, so I got I've got to know some Australian musicians, and they invited me to partake in the festival for three different days, September. First, second, and third. Still performing, still having fun. I can't, I can't help myself, and I'm so grateful, you know, that they they were so welcoming right. and supportive. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's been a pleasure talking to you today and uh, getting to know you better. I, you've been described, your music and you have been described as energy, warmth, and emotion. June Garber, thank you so much for being in our jazz spotlight today.
Oh, thank you, Ken. You are an amazing interviewer. I really, I felt so relaxed and you're so warm. And, and, and just thank you a million times. Thank you. Keep smiling. Okay. This has been another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight. Join us next time.